0: Hi there, this is Voicebox. I'm Chloe Veltman, thanks for joining me. Cher's Believe was a huge hit for the singer when it was released in the fall of 1998. It topped the charts in more than ten countries worldwide, becoming one of the most commercially successful singles to date. Part of the song's power is due to the eerie, metallic quality of Cher's voice, which was processed using an extreme setting on a type of audio software which was virtually unknown at the time, called Autotune. Been used widely, and somewhat controversially, not only as a pitch correction aid but also, as we heard with shares Believe just now, as an aesthetic device in countless numbers of songs. The use of the technology has become so ubiquitous that it's often got to the point where the noun autotune has become a catch-all verb for pretty much any form of digital manipulation of the voice. One could go as far as to argue that autotune has done more to change the face of pop music in the early part of the 21st century than any other technology. The faddishness and backlash surrounding autotune has somewhat, thankfully, started to fade of late, and so I thought now would be an excellent time to take stock of this technology and explore both its fascinating legacy and what lies ahead on the frontiers of digital voice landscape. There are few individuals better equipped to ruminate on autotune than its inventor, Dr. Andy Hildebrand. I'm lucky to be with Andy at the offices of the company that he founded and runs, Antares Audio Technologies, in Scotts Valley, California, just over an hour south of San Francisco. Hi, Andy. Thanks for inviting Voicebox over today.
1: Well, you're welcome, and thank you for coming by. Uh, it's really a nice day for a drive, huh?
0: Yes, it's Gorgeous. Thanks for having us. As I mentioned just now, the word auto-tune has been used and abused, so I think it would be great if you could start by explaining what auto-tune is and does. Please, Andy.
1: Sure. Auto-tune is a plug-in. That is, it fits inside other software, music processing software, and um, it takes the human voice and it puts it in tune, and it has two ways to do that. One is an automatic mode where it puts you to the closest note And the second way is a graphical mode where it draws a curve showing your pitch and then you go in and edit that curve or enter a new curve showing the pitch you want. And then it creates that new pitch.
0: Can anybody use this technology or is it really just for expert engineers?
1: Anybody can use it, Uh, 90% 90 of our customers are home studios for example, Um, people can purchase DAW software for a couple hundred dollars and auto-tune inexpensively as well. And um, they use it quite well.
0: How is the technology used in live performance versus how it's used in a recording situation?
1: Okay, in live performance, we we have also built a number of hardware boxes. You see some here about you. Um, These uh, process a voice in real time uh, in an automatic setting and uh, let... The user be in tune. Um, I think Grand Old Opera had a rack full of 12 of those, one for each singer in the ensemble.
0: Auto tune has its roots in what seems like a completely unrelated field of scientific inquiry, geophysics. How did you go from developing seismic data interpretation systems for oil companies to inventing auto tunes, Andy?
1: Right. Well, I began much earlier as a musician, uh, I was a card carrying union flute player Mm -hmm. at age 16, playing in symphonic orchestras. And uh, I then uh, went through schooling. I ultimately got a PhD in electrical engineering from University of Illinois and uh, specializing in digital signal processing. Uh, I went from there to work in the oil industry, um, initially doing research and processing seismic data. And that data uh, is a, s- a form of audio data. It's like um, as if you were standing outside in a thunderstorm, listening to the thunder, closing your eyes, and computing the shape of the clouds from the rolling thunder. Okay, wow. that's what we did. We would we would from uh, seismic detonations and geophones, we would compute the layers of the earth and uh, figure out where to best drill for oil.
0: And so then, how did that? get to become auto-tune. It seems like a right. million miles away.
1: Yes, it was a million miles. Well, no, it was about 2,000 miles in 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, I was successful in, in that work, and so successful I retired at age 40, and I went to Shepherd School of Music to study music composition. I got involved with synthesizers, mm-hmm. and I wasn't happy about the sound that came from synthesizers, mm-hmm. so I did some... Uh, signal processing to make those sounds really great and a friend of mine said well you know you can make money at that Mm -hmm. so I uh, started a company initially called Jupiter Systems but it became Antares and uh, uh, we produce software for music studios
0: there's that really great story you told me when we spoke on the phone the other day about what actually inspired the idea of autotune, about that wonderful story about the yes, dinner that, party. Can you tell that one again?
1: Yes, that inspiration. Well, uh, I had uh, had lunch well, one day at a trade show with my distributor and one of my partners and my distributor's wife. And, and she said we were talking about uh, what, what to do next, what would be a fun project to make some money. So she said, "Why don't you make me a box that would let me sing in tune?" <laughs> and I looked around the table and everybody looked down at their plate like <laughs> not a I good... so I thought, "Well, this is a bad idea. Nobody wants that product." And I went on and did something completely different for a year. After that year, I uh, wanted something to do. I remembered that project. I knew it would be pretty easy to do. So in 2 months I had a working version took it back to the same trade show, everybody loved it. So I got the original group back together and I said, this is, this is working out great, why were you we all so dejected? They said, we just felt sorry for her. We didn't, we, we knew it was impossible, we didn't want to embarrass her.
0: Did she get to try out the technology after you had created it?
1: Oh yes, she was a big user.
0: So what technologies had to be in place before this product, Auto-Tune, could go to market?
1: Well, um, that uh, need to fix people's pitch has been around forever. I mean, the basic studio technique for that is to record a singer, and, and you, you, the producer would say, okay, that was, that was fine, except that bridge was a little flat. Re-sing that and try it again. And then after you know, a day or two, 50 or 60 takes... Um, You can piece together some music that's probably better in tune, but by that time the singer's tired, there's no inspiration left. Um, So a second way that producers would correct someone's pitch is to record it into a synthesizer, and a a well-trained person would sit there at the synthesizer and adjust the modulation wheel to change the pitch and get the singer in tune. And uh, at this first trade show when I was showing this product, a friend of mine, a client, came up to me, and he says, he says, my God, you've invented this. Somebody just paid me $60,000 to tune up an album from a famous artist.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And he did it using the synthesizer. He said, you just put me out of business. I said, I'm sorry. And, you, know, you know, I'll give you a free copy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um Tell us about how you went about marketing Autotune when the technology was new and no one had heard of it. I mean, you know, you, you were putting people out of business clearly right from the start. So,
1: Well, re- remarkably, one of the big things about auto-tune, the biggest thing about AutoTune is a singer would come to the studio, sing the song one time, leave, and the producer would fix any errors in pitch in a matter of 10 or 15 minutes, and it was done. Mm -hmm. So it totally transformed how singers interacted with the studio and cut down production time and cut down production expense. Totally changed the economics of studios.
0: Was that a hard sell, though? I mean, how how did you actually, did you just sort of travel around to lots of different studios with this box? How did you get it off the ground?
1: Initially, we simply demonstrated the software, and um, we also distributed the software to the working press, and they would review it, and everyone would hear these remarkable uh, converts, if you will, sort of like a religious thing. It's, wow, this stuff is really great. Great, We're all going to use it. So the, the top studios all had this software in a year.
0: Well, let's listen now to an early demo of the technology. First, we'll hear this singer performing a snippet from Somewhere Over the Rainbow out of tune, and then we'll hear the voice after it's been processed using auto-tune. Somewhere over the rainbow skies are blue There's a
1: place that I heard of once
0: in a by song some- If you've just joined us, welcome. I'm Chloe Veltman and this is Voicebox, Public Radio's weekly series about the human voice. Voicebox is also available as a free weekly podcast on iTunes and at voicebox-media.org. To find out more about our series, including how to make a donation to keep us on the air, please visit voicebox-media.org. We're a non-profit, independently produced project and your help means a great deal to us. Visit the support section of the Voicebox website to find out more. I'm at the office of Antares Audio Technologies in Scotts Valley, California today, chatting with Andy Hildebrand, the inventor of AutoTune, a widely used and somewhat controversial technology that corrects wayward pitch in singers. AutoTune has been a game changer in the world of pop music since the late 1990s. Andy, thanks for sharing that early demo of AutoTune. Is the technology meant for people who sing really out of tune or just a little bit out of tune?
1: It's meant for people who sing a little bit out of tune. If if someone's singing is that far off, chances are they have no voice training, they have no support, they have no vibrato, they have none of the other qualities that make for a good singing voice. And we don't attempt to do anything about that. So we can get people sounding pretty nasty after autotune as well as before.
0: How out of tune do you have to sing for the system not to be able to guess at what pitch you're trying to sing?
1: Um in the automatic mode it takes you to the nearest note on the scale so if you're singing more than half a step flat it's gonna put you on the wrong note and that can be pretty dramatic. Um, in the graphical mode you can literally move pitches any amount and um, we have some of the best formant correction which is soft, uh, part of the software gets rid of the kind of Mickey Mouse sound Uh, gerbil kind of sound when you really move someone's pitch a whole lot Mm -hmm. Um, we had Neil deGrasse Tyson do a program on us where he began the program with a, a terribly sounding song way out of tune but he sung it with enthusiasm he actually has a nice voice
0: her heart is like a baby
1: pitched that and we made, we gave him one key instead of three, okay, and, and he actually sounded pretty good in tune, but uh, he ended with a note that was low, so we raised that note up a full octave, uh, had to lower his next to the last note a fourth, and these are two sustained notes, but when it, when it was done, you couldn't tell it had been manipulated at all. It just sounded perfect.
0: Her heart. Is like a big black hole. That was Neil deGrasse Tyson, auto-tuned. And now here is Florence Foster Jenkins with the Queen of the Knights aria. That was the unmistakable voice of Florence Foster Jenkins. Foster Jenkins was a famously bad amateur operatic soprano of the late 19th and early 20th century who was known and lovingly ridiculed for her arrhythmic and tuneless singing. Andy, how useful do you think autotune would be for correcting a voice as out of tune as Florence's? Uh,
1: uh We can get the pitches accurate, Um you still may not want to listen to it, bless her heart. Uh, it, would, it would be easier to listen to. Um, uh, you know, when you're making pitches flat and sharp, you're ultimately taking cycles out of the pitch to make it flatter or putting cycles into the pitch to make it sharp. Conversely, you can take a, a given pitch, add cycles makes the note longer. So our software can change timing as well as pitch and uh, we can get her timing fixed as well.
0: If the famously bad soprano had sung more in tune during her lifetime, Foster Jenkins died in 1944 at 76, she wouldn't have caused as much delight as she did among audiences. I personally have a soft spot for her terrible voice. This brings me to one of the chief criticisms that auto-tune has garnered over the years, that in making human voices sound perfectly in tune, it has a habit of homogenising them. One of the defining characteristics of Bob Dylan's voice, for instance, is that it isn't really very accurately in tune a lot of the time. He tends to swoop between notes and he's often a little flat, but that's part of his sound. Do you think there's a case to be made, Andy, for for the out-of-tune voice? And to what extent is it possible for voices to retain their original character if if they're always perfectly in tune?
1: Well, um, this is getting into an area of values, and in this case, almost religion. Um, We're not particularly religious around here. (laughs) Uh, uh, So we're not embroiled in this conversation. And um, we actually kind of enjoy the amount of arguments that occur about this because that brings our, our brand names to a high level of visibility and, and a lot of people know what Autotune is because of the debate. But that being said, I would say, uh, my wife wears makeup, is that, is that cheating? <laughs> um, uh, studios have been manipulating the human voice in a number of ways for many, many years, including coaching singers to sing more in tune uh, um, cutting their performances up and replacing them with other performances that are more in tune and so forth so uh, ultimately uh, I th- I think that there's value to what we do but I also explained that I just build the automobile I don't drive it down the wrong side of the road
0: <laughs> this on this business of of cheating it is such a a hot topic Uh, it seems to get people riled up a great deal there was this instance which flared up in the media in 2010 following an episode of the British reality TV talent contest the X Factor when a well-received performance by the young Zimbabwean singer Gamu Nengu was discovered to have been helped along by the use of auto-tune let's listen now to a bit of Nengu singing Walking on Sunshine from her X Factor audition I'm right? I'm Chloe Veltman and this is Voicebox. For full playlist information for tonight's show, please visit voicebox-media.org. You can also download the podcast version of this programme and indeed any other show from the Voicebox series on our website. On tonight's show, I'm chatting with Dr Andy Hildebrand, the inventor of Autotune, a very popular type of software that, among other things, corrects singer's wayward pitch. We just heard a 2010 performance of the song Walking on Sunshine by Engu, a contestant on the popular UK TV series The X Factor. When it came out that Nengu's voice had been processed using auto-tune, some people got upset. They thought they'd been conned into believing they were hearing a true performance of her voice rather than one that had been tarted up using electronics. In his forceful response to the Nengu scandal in The Guardian, journalist Luke Willist called a TV producer's use of auto-tune, quote, an act of shameless manipulation that severs a crucial bond of trust between viewer and programme, Andy, what do you make of criticisms like Willis's?
1: That's a valid criticism. I'm a fan of American Idol, and if, if I were to find out that AutoTune was used to, to fix some of those performances, I would be upset myself. Um, it, what I find interesting about that one per, the, the X-Factor disclosure was something else they disclosed, which was uh, they also used the software to make some of their bad singers sound worse.
0: And how did you feel about that use of the software?
1: I thought that was funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> People often claim that, that they can hear when a voice has been auto-tuned; that it somehow sounds different. Do you agree?
1: Um, I uh, yes. I, I uh, as I said earlier, my background was uh, symphonic uh, music as a performer, and in in that uh, role, I acquired. A, very sensitive ear to pitch. Um, And uh, when I hear a song where the the singer is singing from beginning to end and every single note just happens to end perfectly on the right pitch, even though she has scoops and dips or he has scoops and dips and is getting there gradually and it sounds pretty transparent, not auto-tuned, but when every note ends perfectly, I know it's been used, Mm -hmm. and I can hear it. Now, it takes a lot of training to hear that. Um, If you're you're doing a hip-hop song and every note is severely autotuned, like that mechanical sound, everyone hears that. So in-between is a large scale uh, where most people will not hear autotune being used if it's used to correct pitch uh, in a non-aggressive way.
0: Do you think the music industry should be more upfront about its use of autotune and other pitch correction technologies?
1: I think the baby is, is pretty much out of the bath. I, mean, <laughs> I, I think that everyone uh, knows auto at least everyone under 30 is familiar with autotune. Um, tune it's, it's fun when I'm with a group, If I, I might ask you know, three or four people I'm talking to if they've ever heard of auto-tune, and if they're over 40, no one's heard about it, but if they're under 30, they've all heard about it amazing
0: but the industry itself i mean do you think they should be more upfront about about when they're using it as opposed to just you know hoping people won't notice or
1: um i don't really have an opinion on that you know i mean they don't announce when they use reverb they don't announce you know when they're when they're uh uh using delay effects they don't announce when they fix the the singer's voice so it comes in on time instead of being late and so forth so I don't think so.
0: La, da, da, da.
1: Hey. Hmm. The Hold up. Only rapper to rewrite history without a pen. No ID on the track. Let the story begin. 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 This is anti tune death for the ringtone. This ain't for iTunes, this ain't for sing along. This is Sinatra at the opera, bring a blonde. Preferably with a fat ass who can sing a song. Wrong, this ain't politically correct. Uh-uh. This might offend me, this just violent. This is death of tune moment of silence.
0: This is Voicebox and I'm Chloe Veltman. Visit voicebox-media.org for detailed playlist information and anything else you might like to know about our project. Voicebox is coming to you this week from Antares Audio Technologies in Scotts Valley, California. I'm chatting with the company's founder, Andy Hildebrand, about the legacy and future of Autotune, a digital tool for correcting singers' pitch, which is very widely used throughout the music business, especially in pop music. Andy, when we spoke on the phone the other day, you said something that really made an impression on me. The biggest effect of Autotune is that it's changed our standard of how we listen to singers. Please, can you share why you think this is the case?
1: Right. Well, I, I, I explained I like to listen to American Idol. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the first few seasons of American Idol, the singing was, was pretty relaxed. And um, if you compare the singing at that time to the singing now, the singing now, pitch-wise, is a lot more tighter. You don't have to be very far off the pitch to be called on it. You're pitchy. Um, people g- find great humor in the... The folks who don't have any pitch training, they don't know they're so badly out of tune. So they, you know, show you those clips from the auditions, and uh, everybody is, you know, greased with great uh, glee. These singers that are obviously even worse than they are, sitting in their living room, I can do better than that. That's terrible, you know. Um, it's it's simply uh, auto tune. Everything is so well in tune that it simply changed people's expectations for what a good singer sounds like. If you're, not, if you're not right in tune now, people hear it much more readily than in the past.
0: Do you think though that it might put off a lot of people from singing if they don't think they're you know, sounding like Kanye or Beyonce that uh, you know, they might just be frightened? But, I mean, I personally think that's a shame.
1: Yeah, um, I, think, I think it may scare a lot of people away, but I think that most people getting into singing don't, don't realize, don't have the distinctions for pitch. Those are distinctions that you learn. Um, I think autotune helps people learn distinctions about pitch. And um, to that extent, it's actually a a positive in their training.
0: Do you think autotune is more likely to make singers lazier about their tuning or inspire them to work harder in order to meet the rigorous perfection that listeners of the autotune generation have come to demand?
1: Well, that's a good question. If you give someone a backhoe, are you going to spoil them from digging their own grave? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's a hard question to answer, but I think uh, I think it will encourage a lot of people who who know they're not the best in the world to get involved with music because they have uh, an, an assistant from Autotune. Um, I also uh, have to say that I... Uh, I was walking through the NAM trade show, which is our big music industry trade show, a few years ago, and a well-known producer stopped me, and he says, you know, I don't know what to think about autotune. I thought, oh, geez, another religious deal, right? He, he says, my job used to be finding good singers. Now my job is finding good-looking singers.
0: <laughs> huh. We've spent quite a bit of time so far thinking about autotune as a Pitch Corrector, which was the original application for the the technology. But ever since Cher's song Believe soared to the top of the pop charts, producers and musicians have been using autotune for reasons beyond in-tune singing. The Black Eyed Peas and T-Pain are among the most prominent acts to have incorporated the technology in many of their songs to the point where autotune has become synonymous with their sound. T-Pain even has a mobile app named after him. You talk or sing into your iPhone, press a button, and what comes out is your voice, processed to sound, T-Pain-esque. Here's a segment from a track by the rapper. I'm Sprung oh, she the dishes she, some I'm for when she gets hungry she doing is like- T-Pain with I'm Sprung. The hip-hop artist is famous for his use of auto-tune, the subject of tonight's show. My guest is the inventor of auto-tune, Andy Hildebrand. Beyond T-Pain and the Black Eyed Peas, other artists have become known for using auto-tune in even more radical ways, like this. Obama. Romney. Ready. Set. Go.
1: As president, I will sit down on day one. Sit down with leaders for a couple hours. Talk about the issues. Talk about challenges. Part of being a leader is not just saying, I'll sit
0: down. But you have to have a plan. What it is that you intend to do. You have to have a plan. Okay,
1: moving on now. Will the economy get better
0: soon? Uh. 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 Or will I have to pawn my Microsoft Zoom? Uh. Uh. The reason we've been in such a crisis crisis, crisis. Reckless behavior Banks money over have- what we just heard was part of a presidential debate from 2012 between Mitt Romney and Barack Obama, transformed by the Gregory Brothers from speech to song with the aid of Autotune. The Gregory Brothers have become famous for their viral video series, Autotune the News, in which they digitally manipulate the recorded voices of politicians, news anchors and political pundits to conform to a melody, making the figures appear to sing. How do, did it come to pass, Andy, that AutoTune went from being a pitch correction tool used by sound engineers and producers to musicians using it as an artistic device?
1: Well, the, the effect you speak of was also used by Share and Believe. And um, what's happening there is there's a, there's a control in the software. And uh, you can set the control to correct the pitch slowly. So if a singer is singing, say, a ballad or an aria then um, it corrects slowly and and the change in pitch sounds very natural and you don't know it's been used. But if you're singing a fast song with a lot of words quickly uh, then that won't work so you need you need to speed up how quickly the pitch correction works. Well that dial goes to an extreme which is instantaneous so it will instantaneously take you to the closest note. So as your pitch may scoop up to a note uh, in the instantaneous mode, you hear uh, like a, the, the scale the, as a stair step. And um, people, uh, since the share song, have said, hey, that sounds kind of cool, let's use that. Now, one might argue it's overdone. I think some singers who can't sing at all can make music with this. Um, that's sort of sad. <laughs> I wouldn't say who did that, but it, it can be an effect that's used artistically in conjunction with other uh, ethereal qualities of a song, but um, it can be overdone too.
0: Many people got upset when electric guitars and synthesizers were introduced into pop music. Do you see the criticisms of the way in which musicians have used auto-tune to change the qualities of voices as being on a par with the adverse reactions that greeted those two musical inventions?
1: Well, I think the same, same thing could be said when stereo was invented. Um, the same thing could be said when snowboards were invented. <laughs> to this day, I begrudge snowboarders most of the hill, but then I picked up a snowboard and I love it. So, <laughs> um, I think that uh, there's a, a lot of people who bemoan uh, newness of things, and this extends back to the earliest music, uh, if you look at, at when Bach was writing the Well-Tempered Cavalier, the idea of equal temperament and a keyboard was not well greeted, let's put it that way. And um, the idea that there should be a tritone in church music, that, that, that almost got Bach expelled from the Catholic Church, and that was his job as the, as the church
0: organist. The tritone was felt to be, felt to be a devil's interval, right?
1: right and another debate happening at that time is is should there be polyphonic that is two singers singing different notes music in a church is kinda of sacrilegious that's the way they sang on the street so um, the fact that music progresses and changes is not new and the fact that people get upset at changes is not new either um, I think that the need for autotune uh, as an aid uh, to singing, uh, not, as, not as an end in itself, but to help people, is, is enough that's going to keep the technology alive forever.
0: A lot of people talk about auto-tune as if it's a passing fad, but its journey so far through our culture suggests otherwise. It was introduced, it was overexposed, people parodied it, and now we seem to have arrived at a place of equilibrium. The technology is simply a component in a musician's toolkit, part of his or her grab bag of choices, I guess. Um, do you see this, do you, do you agree with this view, Andy, or do you see the relationship between auto-tune and culture to have developed in a different way?
1: No, I largely agree, I agree with your view. There will always be people who take something to an extreme, and um, there will always also be people who really need to use autotune who don't. <laughs> um, and it's, it's part of a population of, of, of what people do, okay? Whenever you have a large group of people and they do stuff, some people overdo it and some people should do it more.
0: Some of the ways in which vocal artists are using autotune are incredibly artful in my opinion. The best ones occur when artists use the technology in a self-conscious way by playing up the artificial and otherworldly effects it can produce. Here's a beautiful song by Bonnie Vare, Woods, in which the songwriter sings about slowness and stillness and being in nature. The heavy use of auto-tune turns this meditation into something that sounds almost frozen in time, like a stopped clock. I'm up in the I'm down on my mind. I'm building a still to slow down the time. I'm
1: up in the woods. I'm down.
0: You're tuned into VoiceBox with me, your host, Chloe Veltman. Visit voicebox media.org for detailed playlist information and other things that you might like to know about our project. I'm discussing the legacy and future of AutoTune with the technology's inventor, Andy Hildebrand. We're at his office in Scotts Valley, California. The song we just heard, Woods by Bonnie Vair, makes very effective use of AutoTune to my mind. Many people think of autotune as being something that's pretty much exclusively used in Western pop music, but that couldn't be further from the truth. What can you tell us about how the technology is used in other kinds of music, both in the US and other parts of the world, Andy?
1: Well, autotune has reached a large number of genres. Um, it's, it's reached uh, reggae uses autotune reg- regularly. The Indian style, uh, Bollywood style, uses autotune a lot. Um, It's probably used in parts of the world that I don't hear the music from. (laughs) It is sold, we sell it all over the world, routinely.
0: Do you see this as a a sort of a colonial effect or cultural imperialistic effect in a way of American pop music, as sort of reaching these vast audiences elsewhere and they want to sound more like Americans?
1: No, actually um, overseas, a, a a fair amount of its use is in native scales in the land. Um, We have in Autotune 23 different scales. Um, Some of them are ethnic scales and uh, allow singers to tune to these intonations that are more characteristic of their home. And, And we do hear of it not used frequently in those contexts, but it does happen, yes.
0: I'd like to play excerpts from a bunch of tracks now that showcase how vocal artists from a variety of different global music traditions have used autotune. First up, we'll hear from Iran's DJ Mariam, who uses the technology to distort her culture's melismatic approach to singing. Then we'll head to South Korea for a track by the boy band B1A4. And finally, we'll hear from the Bollywood artist Rani Mukherjee. For full playlist info, please visit voicebox-media.org. Let's go, all of my 우리의 추억, 이제 모두 지워야 되니, baby. Let's go, we all 바보처럼 떠만 찾게 될까 Chloe Veltman and this is VoiceBox. For full playlist information for tonight's show, please visit voicebox-media.org. You can also download the podcast version of this programme and indeed any other show from the VoiceBox series on our website. I'm chatting with the inventor of AutoTune, Andy Hildebrand. We just heard how three different artists from Iran, South Korea, and India are using the technology to change the natural timbre of their voices. Andy, you've taken AutoTune in a different direction lately with the guitar. Tell us about AutoTune for Guitar
1: the guitar is intrinsically almost impossible to keep in tune while you're playing it. There's many chords that are difficult to finger and when you do that you press down on the strings and when you press down on the strings it goes sharp. And and it's extremely difficult to play that instrument in tune. Um, at, least, at least by my standards at the time, which is a pretty uh, good knowledge of pitch. Um, So I have been going around here, uh, this company, for for years um, trying to learn how to socialize, okay. And uh, I would talk to people about Autotune and why it's so popular and I would say, you know, the human voice is the second most popular instrument. Hmm. The first one is a guitar. No no lights go on, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I was doing a project on this particular processor. And uh, a, a man from another company approached me to do yet another project using that processor, uh, putting autotune in a mixer. And um, he, said, he said, well, how many, how many tracks of autotune can we put on that chip? I said, six. And he says, well, that's how many strings are on a guitar. Hmm. Duh, I finally get it, you know? So I wired up a cheap hex pickup that sees each string separately to six versions of autotune on the computer, and I play with it. Hey, this sounds pretty good, you know? So within a couple months, I had um, a, a breadboard system put together that had six channels of audio input on a pickup in a guitar, and I was tuning it. I would pluck the strings and press a button, and the guitar instantly would be in tune. And uh, so that wasn't quite enough, because when you finger these notes, they go out of tune. So I programmed the software that whenever it hears a note that's almost in tune, it makes it in tune. But then if it's a little out of tune, it'll let it be that way. So you can, on a guitar, you can bend a note still, or use a vibrato. But when you finger these chords, it's always perfectly in tune all the way up the neck.
0: I was really fascinated to hear about this new tool you've created called Harmony Engine Evo, which basically creates a choir out of a single human voice, which is crazy sounding. Uh, what exactly does Evo do, and how does it work?
1: Well, it's sort of like uh, four auto tunes, um, And it creates four voices. It can be at separate pitches. And you can apply formant processing, which gives you a natural sound when you change a pitch by very much. and um, it has a number of different ways of creating the, the output pitches. One way for example is to use MIDI data. MIDI data is is the data that comes out of a keyboard to go to a synthesizer. And with MIDI data you can tell this uh, software exactly what are the notes that come out of it. And another, other ways are you can tell that the software, the chord, and you can automate that so as you go through a piece you change the chords and it finds the voicings and it has like automatic voice leading built into the software so it can automatically have you sound like an expert composer with no effort at all and a number of approaches such as that.
0: Let's sort of a demo of how Evo works. We'll listen first to a solo voice singing the Beatles song Yesterday or a part of that song and then we'll hear the single voice transformed into a chorus after being given the harmony engine treatment.
1: Yesterday All my troubles seem so far away now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday. Suddenly, I'm not half the man I used to be.
0: That's pretty extraordinary. How much can the choral setting be customized with this technology, Andy?
1: Uh, Completely. And we have another related plugin which is now built into the current release of Harmony Engine that uh, takes the four separate voices and changes each one of those voices into a choir of up to 32 different voices and each, each voice in the choir has different pitches different throat lengths, different comings and goings in terms of being slightly ahead of the group or sli- slightly later than the group, and it's really remarkable, and, and, to, and also different pitches, if I didn't mention that, um, it's really remarkable how well that simulates a choir. So you can take your voice, put it through hiring engine, create, create a harmonized sound, and then put it through the choir function and sound like the Mormon tabernacle choir.
0: Can you be super polyphonic with it?
1: Oh, oh yeah. Well, it has uh, four voices of polyphony, and then the choir function has uh, kind of a unison sound like when, when, that you would get with multiple singers singing the same uh, line.
0: Can you envisage a future where human backing singers and choruses will become a thing of the past?
1: Oh no, everyone loves music and and musicians love doing music and it's uh, it's fun, people like to sing, why not?
0: (laughs) When I visited the Antares website the other day, I was intrigued to see a news item on the homepage. It read, announcing auto beat trademark sign. Real-time rhythm correction. New real-time temporal modulation technology ensures you're always in the pocket. I brought this up on the phone the other day with you and you laughed because of course it turns out that auto beat real-time rhythm correction doesn't exist. It was your team's idea of an April Fool's joke, which I love, but you totally taught me off guard. I assumed that if you can correct pitch, correcting rhythm isn't such a stretch. And then there are companies out there um, that have already figured out how to turn regular speech into rhythmic rap. So what will it take to get people singing not only in perfect pitch, but also in strict time, Andy?
1: Well, the joke there was this was a real-time device. So if someone's a little late on the beat, you can pull them forward into the future, right? So <laughs> that's tricky. That, that one we'll have to work on another year or two. But uh, the autotune now lets let us move voices around in time as well. So we can make a word shorter uh, so, the, so that instead of coming in early you're coming in on time or we can, if you come in late we can stretch that, that word out longer and bring it earlier in time. All this is possible of course because it's not real time processing, all the sound is already on the computer.
0: Well, here on Public Radio, we're certainly very strict about time, and we're just about to run out of it for this week, sadly. Thanks so much, Andy, for inviting VoiceBox to your headquarters and sharing your insights today. It's been smashing chatting with you.
1: Well, thank you very much for coming down. I appreciate it.
0: To find out more about AutoTune and the other head-spinning voice technologies created by Antares Audio Technologies, please visit antarastech.com. That's A-N-T-A-R-E-S-T-E-C-H.com. Voicebox is an independently produced non-profit project recorded at the studios of KALW in San Francisco. The series producer is Seth Samuel, the web editor is Nayantara Jane, and the social media manager is Elio Bucky. Rachel Hamburg is our reporter and I'm Chloe Veltman. Please join Maya Sound, the San Francisco Symphony and dozens of other organisations and generous individuals in supporting Voicebox. You can make a safe and easy donation by visiting voicebox-media.org or by all means mail us a check. We're a non-profit project so all donations made to Voicebox are tax deductible. Find out more at voicebox-media.org. We love to hear from you. Send us your ideas, questions and comments by emailing us at info at voicebox-media.org. And you can also connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. If you're looking for me on Twitter, my handle name is at Chloe Veltman. I'll play us out with a song that weaves auto-tune into its fabric in a way that feels both organic and subtle. Here's Chris Brown with Forever. Have a songful week.